strap on your safety belts because another 99th episode is happening right now. Exactly. Yeah, of course this is why we need to. Okay, all right, this is better. My mic volume is a little low. Now it's beautiful. Yep. Mm-hmm. Welcome everybody to the podcast of beauty. Beautiful enough for radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have a special episode today. What? Uh, you and I, yeah, we discussed this special. Well, I mean, every episode's special, but this one is special because we made other people do stuff. Special? Is this like an, a special episode of Blossom special, or is this like a short bus special or this is some, like uh, the episode of say by the bell where jesse was doing drugs and the drug she was doing was caffeine <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> that's right at the end of the episode we will have a mental breakdown i need more we're caffeine pills <laughs> i'll tell you when i've studied enough for my college entrance exams yeah. all right high, high school was so intense you know what's funny about that show is uh, I'm pretty sure everybody that watched it was younger than the age they were portraying in the show, so uh, that's why we're like, oh man, this is such a good show, and then you get to high school and you're like, nope, this isn't what it's like. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It's like a show about high school for middle schoolers, is exactly. I guess what it was, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, when I get into high school... I'm going to go to a soda shop every day after school. It's going to be great. Yeah. And it's really funny now in hindsight looking back and seeing uh, the emotional damage that the portrayals of some of the characters caused to some of the actors. Oh, I don't Screech. know anything about that. Uh, Screech. Dustin Diamond. Like, man, he went through some stuff and, like, he was definitely not, I think, mentally healthy after uh, after all that. He should have joined the rehab group with Urkel and whoever else. Yeah. <laughs> what a surprise. Stereotypes are harmful. All right. So you, you told me that this is a special episode and this is yeah. like... And what's special is it's over. We're done. We, oh, we did a good job. shortest episode ever. This is great. <laughs> I didn't even need to take caffeine pills to get through this one. And yet you did. You're going to have a hell of a day now. Uh, oh so we... We got some listener questions today. Uh, I, I reached out to the listeners that we have and and got some questions because you and I have been busy and we needed a little little space to catch up on some reading and stuff. So we got some other stuff to talk about. So you know what I really like about listener questions? Yeah. Well, aside from the fact that I didn't have to come up with the topic or or think yep. about what to talk about, coming up with questions is hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, it is. But I like that when we get questions, it's usually of different perspectives than we're coming exactly. at things from, right? It's like I have gotten to know how how you approach things and where you're usually coming from with things. And I, you probably know a bit where I'm coming from with things. And we both have a certain type of question, I think, because we ask questions that gets to the types of things that we're, we are interested in. But other people have different types of questions that get to the types of things that they're interested in. So listener questions a lot of times make me think about new things or think about things differently. And I like that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think going through these questions, that's exactly what I was thinking is some of these things we've actually touched on, but I think it'll get us to talk about them a little bit differently. 
Um, and most of these I think we can go through pretty quickly too. Um, so if you're good, I'll just get rolling because I think some of them will take a little bit longer, but most of them we can kind of go through quickly. All right, drum roll. First question. All right. So the first questions come from uh, Professor Allen on Twitter. Uh, he gets to go first because he didn't send them in in time, so I'm get- reading them before I go to the compiled questions that I have. Mm, well, uh, also because you're a professor. So exactly. Thank I, you. He, you know, I I respond to authority. Um, so his first question is: As fans of both comics and games, do you have favorite games based on comics or favorite comics based on games? No. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was thinking about this. Sorry. And, uh, I, there's stuff that uh, that I like that go both ways, but I honestly, with some of them, I couldn't tell you what came first. Uh, like, I was actually thinking about this with uh, The Witcher, because I know there's books, there's the game, and there's comics. I know the comics came after the game, but I think what was the game based off the books, or was it the other way around? I'm not sure. And I also have never been able to play very far into that game, because I go a little ways, I'm like, whoa, this is too big. What I'll say for an answer that's not as boring as that one is one of my favorite games based on a comic, but when I played the game, it was because of a cartoon, was uh, Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. That's hmm. one of, that's probably my favorite Ninja Turtle game, uh, not just because of the gameplay, which is just, you know, kind of basic, um, uh, you know, like, uh, oh gosh, Double Dragon type, you know, uh, beat-em-up, side-scrolling type of game. But the characters in it are great, uh, because it's like a lot of the Ninja Turtle characters, but they're in there going through time. So like one of the best is Bebop and Rocksteady, uh, dressed as pirates and you fight them on a pirate ship in like the age of, you know, pirates, like what, 1800s or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and his, his follow up question is, uh, any luck reading novels based in game universes? Okay. Well, I actually want to go back to the first question. Oh, so I give you an answer now. You can say something better than no. Well, yeah, I do have a better question okay. than, than no <laughs> after thinking about this. So one game that I haven't played these in a long time, but that I did really, really enjoy are, well, in particular, one game in the series, and that was Arkham City, oh, uh, yeah. the Batman games. And these are obviously based on Batman comics, though Batman seems to be something that exceeds the bounds of just comics now he's become ubiquitous enough in so much media that batman is just batman and that game is really fantastic it is a lot of fun to play it's a different ish take on the batman villains you can't say it's particularly straight out of this comic or that comic it interprets everything a little bit in its own right which is cool and kind of refreshing and it was just a lot of fun to play as batman it made me really feel batman-y in a sense like yeah it's just like the good spider-man games you enjoy just playing as the character it's not just about completing the mission but it feels good to move around like batman like you you know it's it's as much about the movement as it is about the story or the Mm -hmm. setting and what it captures really well is batman is a character that when he's out in the light, he can brawl with the best of them and just kick butt. And you can do that. You can just run into a group of 20 dudes and just beat the snot out of them all. Or you can be the Dark Knight hiding in the shadows and moving stealthily around and jumping from rooftop to rooftop and stuff like that. Or you can use all the gadgets that Batman has to move around and 
So it really captures all those aspects of Batman really, really well. So that's one. Yeah, I agree. That That's a good answer. I've enjoyed all three of the games from that series. And just, I touched on it, but this the good Spider-Man games, the, the one that came out for PS4, and then I think the other one that was really good was, came out for PS2, but just like moving around the city like Spider-Man, it was designed really well. Um, and it kind of has the balance between realism and, you know, like suspending realism. It's like, if you're swinging around a Spider-Man, you don't want to worry about, am I literally hitting a building with my webbing? Like, just let the webbing go off the screen, you know, like... Make it be fun, not make it be too realistic. And I think that both of those games did a good job of that. Yeah. And the other one, you mentioned books as opposed to comic books. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed the Shadow of Mordor game. And Yeah, it was a good game. The To a lesser extent, the Shadow of War game. Yeah. I agree I'm with a, that statement. <laughs> statement. Yeah. I'm a big Tolkien fan. I really, really like the Lord of the Rings. I really like all the extended lore of it as well. And the game is really cool. Both, it's just fun to play. It's fun to move around. It has a cool system in terms of how you traverse Mordor and interact with these orc strongholds and stuff like that. All that is really fun. But it also expands on the mythology of Middle Earth in an interesting way in that you you play as um, Celebrimbor, who is the guy who actually forged a lot of the rings of power. (laughs) And he is like, well, he's the wraith that is inhabiting this uh, ranger of, of Gondor. And so you're kind of teamed up. You're you're this combination of the Gondorian ranger and Celebrimbor. And so you get these kind of two aspects of the lore, the modern third age lore, as well as the old second age forging of the rings of power history twisting into it. So I really dig that part of it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed that game. I'm indifferent. not the right word. I'm a touch better than indifferent. Like I enjoy Lord of the Rings for what it is, but I like, not not the level that you do, you know? Um, mm. So, like, that that definitely is a, like, a plus, but not a... Also, it's not like, oh, Lord of the Rings game. I hope it's a good one. It's like, oh, a good game. Yeah, it's cool. It has Lord of the Rings stuff, you know? Yeah, um, and that's what I think is good about it. It stands alone yeah. as just a fun game. If it had just been called, like, Orc Warrior <laughs> or something like that, then it would still be a really cool game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, that that nails it right there. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the the first uh, Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War. I didn't finish it. It was still good, but it got to like it's not that the additions weren't good things, but I think it kind of lost sight of what made the first one good a little bit by trying to expand and do different things. It felt um, like it wasn't as tight. Exactly. It felt yeah. like it just you were doing a lot of chasing around fighting instead of you know driving the story. Yeah. And it was more for, it felt more like, you know, grinding in an RPG than it did, you know, doing something purposefully. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And it is second question, uh, which I don't think will take long to answer. Any luck reading novels based in game universes? I don't know that I've read any based in game universes. I actually have. So there's a game, um, near Automata that I played because a, a friend of mine recommended it. And I played the first playthrough, and I really liked it. And there's actually three playthroughs where it, they're a different character for each one. Uh, but the first and second one, 
the characters were paired together through the whole first playthrough, so you're basically playing through the first playthrough again with minor differences. And I just got to where I didn't want to... Like, it wasn't enough to keep me com- uh, compelled. And the third playthrough is with a different character, but I'm like, eh, I'm never going to get to it. Like, I... You know, I was starting school and stuff, I'm like, I'm done. Um, but I was so hyped up on it when I was first playing it that there were a couple of books that I ordered that I thought were graphic novels, or like manga, um, but they were like light novels. I haven't read them yet, but um, I am no still going to try to give them a shot. Yeah, no pictures. I mean, like, ah, oh. what a waste. <laughs> Which I don't mind. I just, I, 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 it just goes to show that Amazon isn't always very clear when describing a book. <laughs> they don't care. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I haven't read any, but I do have those, and I still intend to give them a read. I don't have an answer to this. I can't really think of any comics that I have purchased and read that were an expansion of a game universe. In a weird way, I I keep the two things isolated in my mind, in that I feel like I like my video games to be video games. I like my comics to be comics. And never the two shall meet is, I think, oftentimes how I feel. Yeah, and I think for me, too, it's it's partially, like, I, I'm not 100% just invested in one thing. Like, there's no one thing that I say, this, oh, this is what gets all my attention, and then anything else is just if I have space to fit it in. Like, I, I mix it up, and, you know, I'll kind of focus on one thing for a while and then switch to something else. So I also, that's why I don't really care to have... Uh, a large number of comics I'm subscribing to because if I don't feel like reading them, I'm not going to, and then they're just going to build up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it just doesn't suit me to be that invested into one thing. Um, even like Ninja Turtles, where it's like I really enjoy Ninja Turtles and I can enjoy watching movies, playing video games, reading comics, you know, whatever. I'm still not. It's like if I tried to just keep up with all that or do it all the time, like I would just be like 100% Ninja Turtles all the time, and I don't want that. You know, there's one I can think of that I did read that I enjoyed, and that was the Injustice comic book. This was based off of the DC fighting game Injustice, and they released a comic book series at the same time that was essentially just kind of a story to go along with the game. And I really enjoyed it because it was this just big twisting of the typical dc mythos where superman goes insane and becomes this huge villain in the world and you have all their heroes and villains having to team up in weird ways and it has one of the just i remember a really funny team up between green arrow and harley quinn that was very very enjoyable and humorous yeah, I, re- I only read the first trade of that, but I did enjoy it. I had a, another friend that always highly recommended it. Yeah, that that and that uh, you know, not a novel, but like going from comic or from video game to comic. Yeah, I think that's uh, one. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because that's one where like the video game is based on a comic, and then the comic is based on the video game, and it's kind of like telephone where you get further away from the source material and kind of create something new and interesting. So, that's yeah, a good example. All right, so our next set of questions, and some of these could be really hefty ones, but I think we can kind of kind of try to simplify them a little bit. Uh, these come from Tim Paget. Hey, Tim. Uh, so his first question I can answer actually pretty quickly. What's your origin story? How did you and I hook up to start the podcast, and why is it called 99th episode? So Sean and I started <laughs> this podcast because I was doing one with Michael Sparkman and he was too busy and and I mean my my life is busy too uh, but he had a lot going on and we just like weren't able to do it for a very extended period of time so 
I just wanted to be able to chit chat with somebody. So I messaged Sean. I was like, Hey, do you want to just do a podcast together? Just meaning to be like a one-off thing. Mm -hmm. We did it. We liked it. And we, you know, we, we saw that we podcasted well together. So something that we can enjoy just for the sake of enjoyment. And so we decided to try to keep rolling with it. Yeah. And it helped that this was uh, around the time that uh, I was w winding down with only the Valiant also. Yeah. But I was interested in doing other types of podcasting and not doing podcasting so specifically to just one very narrow topic. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like the only reason I'm still doing a podcast at all is to enjoy it, to enjoy talking to somebody. I'm in it for the for the big bucks. Yeah. You know, in it for the groupies. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I mean, that, that's how we got into it. Um, why is it called 99th episode? Because we needed to come up with a name, and I hate naming stuff. So Sean came up with a few ideas, and I chose the one that bothered me the least, pretty yeah. much. Because <laughs> I always feel very awkward coming up with names. And I think that we wanted something that was kind of nonsensical, that doesn't really have a meaning to it. Exactly, yeah. It's just kind of words, and... It, but it seems like it means something, but it really just has no meaning. And I had a list of maybe half a dozen of those types of names. And I, I wonder if I could find the list of what the rest of them were. I don't even know what, what else they were. Yeah. I mean, they, theoretically, they should be in our text history somewhere. Uh, it's, yeah, I don't I'm want to scroll back scroll that back. part of my phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. His next question is one that could take a lot of time. So I think we can try to answer this in a quicker version. So basically, he's asking, how is the last 18 months, meaning like dealing mm. with COVID life affected us? What are some good things that have come out of it? Uh, what are some bad things that have come out of it? Um, are there things you look at differently now? Do you collect differently? Enjoy things differently? So I'm going to kind of condense this. Obviously, the last year and a half has been hard on everybody. We've talked before about how it's affected us just in our personal lives. And um, I, I don't think that we need to really dive into that again, other than just to say it was difficult, unless you have something you want to say. I will say that as far as how it's affected my hobbies, like one... I had to keep on going out there and being in the world. So I wasn't like some people where I just like literally was able to stay home to work, only went out to get groceries or something like that. Like I was out every day uh, and life was busy and not easy. Uh, so it, I had a different experience than, than a lot of people did. I mean, a lot of people also had my experience. So for me, like the things I do for enjoyment were still to like be that kind of break from everything. Like, I mean, they would be for anybody. I would say that the one thing that changed with it is I really realized more what was worth my time because I needed more just empty mental space. And to get that, I had to sacrifice time that would have been spent on trying to watch movies or play video games or read books or whatever. So um, it changed my perspective on stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that just if I'm not enjoying it, I'm not going to waste my time on it. And like, I don't care if people say I should read something or if people think something's great. Like a lot of stuff out there that I would have like given time to just to try. It's not worth it. And a lot of people spend a lot of time on that stuff. And if that's what's good for them, then cool. But man, it's like I, my interest in like Marvel and DC probably dropped a lot because there's definitely some standout stuff that I like with Marvel and DC. And sometimes I just want to read the stuff that's just good, solid Marvel and DC stuff. But that's just a percentage of what I like. So I think that that's 
kind of a big area that changed is being willing to spend time on something that didn't cross a certain threshold of being worth my time. Hmm. Yeah, this is a very broad question. I feel like this could take a whole episode if we really wanted to just <laughs> really dive into nitty gritty of a lot of the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think my experience has been very different from yours because my job is one where I can work remotely essentially just as effectively as not because I can either sit in a cubicle and be on the phone and on a computer all day, or I can sit at my desk at home and be on the phone and working on my computer all day. <laughs> it's really not much different. And in a lot of ways, it's actually been easier working from home because there are days when I am on the phone for five or six hours a day. It's just like nonstop phone calls and, and meetings. And that's actually easier from home than being in a cubicle where I feel like, oh man, I'm bothering everybody if I'm on the phone nonstop because I have people sitting at the workstation next to me who have to hear me blabber all day. And there's a noise and distraction and stuff like that. So in some ways, that's good. It sucks that when you work from home, you also live at work <laughs> and that's been a ever present problem but aside from just personal challenges and all that stuff i in terms of the things i enjoy one of the biggest changes for me over this last year and a half has been that i've gotten into action figures a whole lot more than i ever yeah. did before and a lot of that has to do with a friend of mine who's big into action figures we started this silly game we talked about where we take a picture of an action figure every day and send it. But one of the problems with that is it made me a lot more interested in action figures. <laughs> and <laughs> right. So I used to pretty much exclusively get the four inch GI Joes, the, the modern Joes that started coming out about 15 years ago or so. And I was collecting those and that was pretty much the only action figures I got into. But in the last year and a half, I, well, the six inch GI Joes came out. I started getting into those, which got me into Star Wars Black Series and Marvel Legends. And then I started finding smaller toy companies like Spiro Toys and Boss Fight Studios for Horsemen. And it's really just been a toy explosion in my house in a lot of ways. And I've had to really kind of cut down, cut back, and really narrow my focus of what I actually want to buy as a result of it. But collecting-wise, that's really been it. And I actually I haven't been buying a lot of comic books because I buy a lot of back issues at conventions. It's one of the things I like to do, and one of the places I like to shop for back issues is at conventions. And part of that is if I'm buying an old 40-year-old X-Men comic book, I want to see the condition before I buy it. I don't just want to buy yeah. it off of eBay and then hope the condition is how it appears in the pictures or, you know, I, I want to actually see the book, check it out myself before I buy it. So I buy most of my back issues in person and there've been no in-person conventions. So my back issue purchasing has gone way, way down. Yeah. And I, I think I'll just kind of leave it at that for now. Uh, yeah, yeah. because otherwise we could just dive into this, like you said, for a lot longer. 
Exactly. Yeah, a lot of his questions go that way. And it, so you actually kind of segued into the next question pretty well. So his next question is, what does your uh, collection look like these days? What are you still holding on to? What have you let go of or letting go of? Um, what do you see yourself collecting over the next few years? And I think with that too, like Tim, I've talked a lot about with when I was collecting the X-Men because he collects the X-Men. I think he helped me with some issues I needed and stuff like that too. So he knows that I sold my X-Men collection to pay for stuff I needed for school. Since I've done that, I'm, I'm not collecting back issues at all. I'm, I'm done with that. I knew that once I sold the X-Men collection, if I did that, I'd, I would be done because why would I start it again? Like, I, you know, I've, I've sold it a couple of times now because I've had cause to. And having sold it, I also realized, like, I enjoy the X-Men, but my passion level is definitely different. Like, when you're actively doing something, it definitely gets you a lot more hyped up about it. And I feel differently about it. So now, the as far as comic stuff that I've been buying, uh, pretty much the only new stuff I'm getting is Bad Idea, with the exception of... I'm getting Usagi Ojimbo, and I can honestly take her or leave that at any point because I am also like getting the trades and stuff of it, so I know I can always get it in a different way. That's, that's what I'm doing with Ninja Turtles. I'm not buying the individual issues. I'm getting the hardcovers as they come out. But collecting, I, I've found that having something that I enjoy that takes a little less effort than having to constantly read, which can be difficult, especially with doing school and work, I've gotten really into AEW wrestling and I just absolutely love it. And I've started, their action figures have started to be more available. So like I, I'm finding ones here and there that I would actually like to have. And I'm kind of realizing that I want to shift my collection. I'd rather spend some money on something like that and then downsize some of the other stuff that I had. Cause that's what I'm enjoying right now. Um, so that's where my collecting is at. And I think that, you know, going forward from here, I'm pretty much sticking to, uh, at least, you know, for the foreseeable future, buying books because I want to read them, like the Sandman Deluxe Editions that I'm getting those as they come out. Uh, and then if I'm getting something kind of just for the sake of collecting, I think it's pretty much around wrestling right now because that's what I'm enjoying the most. Okay, cool. The next question... Oh, I'm sorry, did you have something to add? Well, I'm going to answer the question, oh, Paul. You, you did with your last <laughs> no, question. I didn't. I'm sorry. Yeah, you did. You're like, this is, is there- what I collect. Sorry, the the question was, what is the shape of my collection? What does my collection look like? Oh, yeah. And so looking at that question, I have room for 20 long boxes. That's kind of my, my current comic book storage allows me space for 20 long boxes. So I try to keep my collection to those 20 long boxes. And what's nice about it is I can look at what's in the long boxes and get a very easy, quick idea of what exactly I have. So... I have five of those long boxes are classic Valiant stuff from the 90s. I've got a near complete run of everything. I'm just missing two variants, I think, and some of the VVSS books. That's it from my classic Valiant collection. And I have an entire long box of doubles of gold books and pre-Unity books and stuff like that from... The glory days when I could find Harbinger number ones for a dollar, like I never passed those up, (laughs) you know, and so I've got, that's a quarter of my collection. I've got two long boxes of the current Valiant stuff and uh, meaning like since 2012, and that's really been whittled down. I had a whole lot more. But I decided to get rid of all just the normal issues of all that stuff. So I'm left with variant covers, gold books, special stuff like that. 
and I'll probably whittle that down a little bit more because there's a lot of common variants that I have still in there that I've I've kept that I I probably don't need to to keep. I've got one box of Marvel comics, and most of that is. Uh, what is most of that? Darkhawk and uh, Jim Starlin, Cosmic Marvel. I have a, a complete run of Jim Starlin's Cosmic Marvel works, uh, except for Iron Man 55. And just other kind of random stuff. I've got a box of indie books. And this is something I really like to collect. These are indie books that I got into in the 90s. And this is stuff like Flaming Carrot and The Tick and Milk and Cheese, stuff like that, that I I really like to collect. And then the rest of it, or most of the rest of it, is X-Men stuff. And my core X-Men collecting goal is to have every X-Book from... Chris Claremont's era of X-Men. And this has exploded into getting runs of just about everything. So I've got a full run of Excalibur. I'm working on the volume two X-Men, adjectiveless X-Men. And I've got a lot of uncanny X-Men, the first volume. I've got tons of Wolverine comics, a full run of X-Factor. It's... Uh, full run of New Mutants. It's it's just kind of exploded and got really big and turned into collecting everything, all the main series of X-Men, which is a bit of overkill. So I'm looking at maybe pairing that back a little bit, but I do want to collect every X-Book from Chris, Chris Claremont's era on X-Men. So that's going to mean all of X-Factor, all of New Mutants, all the various miniseries and crossovers and stuff like that is what I'm trying to get. Nice. Oh, okay, that's that's the end of that. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on to our next listener's questions. Uh, so these ones will be a little bit quicker, too, hopefully. So Benjamin Decker <laughs> comes to us with some questions. What's up, Benjamin? Hello. Uh, how much of a new piece of media will you try before giving up if you don't like it? For example, do you have a comic, an issue, or an arc, a show, an episode, a band, a few songs? I think it kind of depends on the the media and like how much time you have to invest in it. Something like a like a movie, for example. If I'm going to start a movie, it's got to be really bad to quit it because you're only giving it like two hours anyway. So you know, it's like you kind of are either doing it or not. The last movie I could think of that I actually stopped watching was Joker because I just mm-hmm. was not enjoying it. I just I like I was pushing myself to try to watch it like halfway through. I was like, no, I'm just I'm not enjoying this at all. I'm just trying to convince myself to watch it. Um, a novel. It, I, I typically won't give a novel more than at most 50 pages if I'm not liking it. And um, especially nowadays, if it's like rubbing me the wrong way off the bat, it's probably done. Comics, I with comics, I, I don't really give it a whole lot now because I'm not buying floppies. So it's usually if I'm trying something new, I'm trying it in trade. And I probably got it from the library. So if I'm start trying to read it and I'm just really not liking it, I'll just move on because it's not costing me anything. That's one nice thing about approaching things that way. Yeah, and I mean, music is kind of different, especially with like Spotify. I'm not spending anything. So if I'm listening to a song and I don't like it, why would I listen more? What about you? It kind of depends, I think. I don't really have a hard, fast rule, I don't think. A lot of it has to do with I'll try it and then I'll think about 
even if it some things will just grab me immediately right off the way and i'll i'll say yep okay i love this <laughs> i want to keep watching this like sold that's an easy easy thing and sometimes i'll try something a single episode a single issue first couple chapters of a book and i'll say ugh there is no way i know that i just do not like this and am not interested and but then there's like the in between things where something i think well i'm not quite into this yet but it looks like there's meat on them bones and then i'll just kind of keep giving it a shot and something like that i can think of from recently is the dc show doom patrol mm-hmm. the first episode i was like okay I, I i'm not too sure about it but i feel like there's there's enough there for me to kind of think okay th- this might be good and this might be entertaining that i stuck with it and i watched another episode and each episode i liked it more and more until i started just loving the show so it's more about, for me, do I see some potential in it that this this could be something that I really like or not? That's uh, a lot of what how I approach things. So it's I don't have a set, I'll try one or two episodes of anything type of thing. It's more of, well, if it's something I'm interested in, I'll try the first episode or the first issue or the first few chapters. And if I think, okay, I could like this, I'll keep going. If it's not immediately in a, a no or a yes category for me. Yeah, I I think that's a pretty good way to put it. Um, for both of us, like our time is very valuable. Like we don't have time to just waste between work and family life and whatever. Um, so like for me, it's always a question of, is this really worth my time or not? Like would I be better off spending this time on something I know I'm going to enjoy more? And my example for one thing I've come to realize is comic book TV shows, they don't have enough payoff for me. Like, I, I don't enjoy the the act of watching them enough for it to be worth it. And an example of something where the, you know, that isn't always going to be the case, like The Mandalorian, I gave that a shot and I really enjoyed it and watched both seasons. And I'll be open to watching future Star Wars based TV shows that we've already talked about before they're coming out. Um, but stuff like I tried watching WandaVision. I watched the first episode. It's like, I just don't feel like watching it. And I haven't tried Loki because I just like, I just too much of it. If not having that payoff for me, Loki is a good example. I think, because I think the first couple episodes are pretty slow, to be honest. Mm. For me, I didn't start really liking the show until episode three or four or so, but there was enough there where I thought, okay, this is kind of interesting, and it seems like this is going somewhere, even though it's not quite there yet, so I'm intrigued enough to stick with it, even though it's not there yet. And it did eventually get there, so it ended up paying off. Um, Next question, what piece of life advice would you give the listeners? My piece of life advice is simple and direct. Don't buy stuff because you feel like you have to collect, like get, get stuff you're going to enjoy. Don't give your time to stuff that you just have to read, watch, whatever, like do the things that you enjoy and let that guide you. Too many people get engulfed in their collecting and it's, it becomes more of an addiction than a hobby. 
Um, but then for some people, that's that's what they're into, and like they really do enjoy it. So it's definitely not one way to approach it for anybody. But like, make sure that you're paying attention to yourself and doing what you enjoy, because otherwise, you spend a lot of time and money invested in something that that you're not getting anything out of. I think if I was going to give. I have a hard time giving life advice because it, it feels so much like imposing values on somebody else, yeah. like saying, well, here's my values. And I think my values should be your values. And th- that's something that for the most part, aside from really terrible values, like bigotry and hatred, <laughs> I think that everybody should have their own values. Uh, and that, any any one person's values is just as valid. And so I think if I were to give any advice, it would just be be mindful. Yeah. I think that that is probably the, the most advice I can give that doesn't feel, I mean, even that kind of feels like saying, well, being mindful is better than not being mindful. But I think that there's a lot of uh, value and benefit to just being mindful. And that means being mindful of what you're doing with life, what causes you stress, what causes you relaxation, what's important, not what isn't important, mindful of how we respond to things, whether we like how we respond to things or or not, all, all sorts of things. But I think just being mindful of who we are and what we're doing in life, I think is maybe the only piece of advice that um, I could really give to anyone that and uh, buy crypto because <laughs> that way you, you want to retire destroy the rich. world. <laughs> I want to retire rich. Uh, capitalists. Um, yeah. And I, I think, you know, what you just said about mindfulness, that's what mine is based off of is, be being mindful but like i i just see a lot of people that specifically with hobbies or collecting they're not being mindful and they just find themselves doing it because they started that momentum but Mm -hmm. yeah i I think just to echo what you said is like it's really about applying mindfulness to things i think that that's something where it's like you said you don't want to you know impose your values on somebody else but i think mindfulness that's like saying be genuine or you know be empathetic it's like no you should be those things and it's not a well you know if if empathy is not important to you then you shouldn't no like being empathetic is being a good person and i think being mindful helps you be your best self so benjamin says that from listening to your bad idea podcast he knows what your three wishes for your fairy godmother would be (laughs) <laughs> and he asks what my wishes would be and if you would amend your. So what are your three fairy godmother wishes? Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> as I said, so, I don't listen to other people's podcasts. So I've never listened to your bad idea podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, so in my most recent episode, I had this little gambit that I did where the, you, you know, the, the recent, this recent passive aggressive book was actually two stories, passive and aggressive. Mm-hmm. And it essentially tells the same story, but from different characters, uh, points of view. And one of the things that I think is interesting about the book is the question of does which version you read first color your view of the book? Cause I read passive first and then I read aggressive. Yeah. And so d- does how much I like it 
is influenced by that? Like, would I think about it differently if I had read aggressive first rather than passive? And I can never know the answer to that question, right? It's, it's actually, it's impossible to know. Uh, and that's one of the things that is both interesting and frustrating about the book. But so I had this little gambit where I was talking about that fact and I said, oh, I wish I could. And then my fairy godmother shows up, which is played by my wife <laughs> and grants me three wishes. My first wish was world peace. My second wish was political economic system that doesn't systematically transfer wealth from the poor to the rich. <laughs> and the third was to erase my memories of passive aggressive so I could go back and, and reread it the other way. <laughs> All right. So, I, I mean, I guess my first two wishes, I have to, like, echo your first two because otherwise I'd seem greedy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, my, my biggest real wish is just to like not have financial burdens, you know, be debt free, be, you know, not have that be such a factor in life. Like that's it. You know, if I'm getting down to like the real, real, that's, that would allow a lot less, you know, stress and stuff in life, of course, but it would, um, it would allow me to kind of focus things wherever I wanted them to be more. But, uh, I mean, aside from that, like my, my wish would be to, get done with like I, I started back to school to get done with school and be able to be working in a career that is um is more rewarding to what I like than you know, my job now is rewarding, but it's because I'm good at it and I help other people. I you know, I want a job where it's less about that and more about just me being able to, you know, do things to challenge myself. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and everything else doesn't really matter. I just want to... well, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's good. Well, what's I like about that wish is you're actively working towards giving yourself that wish. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so now we're on to some questions from Ed Moore. Hey, Ed, how's it going, Ed? Ed's a good listener. He also let me manga and helped me get hooked into manga. His first question is: How, when, and where did you meet your significant other? Uh, I met my wife actually working at Starbucks. She started working there less than a year after I did. We became friends, and our relationship started by us just being friends and then looking back at a certain point and realizing that we were dating. And um, it just kind of progressed from there. I mean, like, looking back, I was thinking about this with something else I was reading the other day, and, like, we really just, like went with the flow of our relationship and it just happened. And it's funny to look back at it and realize that I, I never experienced a lot of the things that people do, like trying to pursue people because I pursued one person and married her. And, uh, so I never had to go through like trying to pursue people that weren't right for me because she was right for me. Cool. That's nice. Very lucky. Yeah. I've got a fairly boring story. We met on match.com. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that. Yeah. Though one of the funny things that I, I will bring up about this that is kind of related to our interests and that I like to remind my wife every now and then to point out that she had all the warnings that she needed about what she was getting into <laughs> is I think she messaged me on match.com and we started messaging back and forth and stuff. And we, you know, after a couple messages, it gets to the point where it's like, well, you know, let's, let's actually meet each other in real, real life. And I had to message her and say, 
usually right now I would say, hey, let's let's plan a time to to get together and meet each other. But I can't right now because I'm in San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> And so that was kind of like my, all right, this is what you're getting, lady, <laughs> message. And it's funny because in retrospect, she says, I didn't really know what that meant. <laughs> so <laughs> she's like, I kind of knew it was something, but I didn't know what it was or what it meant. <laughs> but yeah, so that was... uh part of our funny little mating thing but other than that is a very typical online dating situation nice yeah i i, I never experienced any of that like online dating uh is it tinder is the one like the swipe right or swipe left like i think so i i never really used that one yeah i think that was after my time or i mean i think by the time tinder existed tinder is more about like we're in our 20s and want to hook up is at least what it seems like yeah Versus Match.com, which is like, we're in our 30s and we want to settle down. Yeah. All right. His next question is, what was your first gaming system you bought and why? Uh, My first gaming system was the Nintendo because there weren't many options then. And that's what my parents got me. (laughs) But I also want to... So the particular question seems to be, which is the first system you bought? Okay. So which one did I... So, you know, that's hard because you still like it, you know, even when I was older... The first one I bought with my own money, like not a present, nothing like that, was probably the PlayStation 2. And that was after I had gotten the Xbox for Christmas, you know, like during that generation. And I played it a bunch. And then I kind of got done with video games for a while. And then I sold it. And then I wanted to play video games again. I got a PlayStation 2 so I could explore like a different body of games. And, like, Xbox was a lot around playing Halo with my cousin and the friends that we shared as a group. And I had moved away from them, so that just wasn't happening really anymore. Um, so there wasn't kind of that tie to Xbox. And then I stuck with PlayStation ever since. My story is pretty similar. We had an Atari when I was growing up, but it was just kind of there. It wasn't, like, a gift for me. The first system that was given to me was a Nintendo Entertainment System, the original NES. And the first system that I bought with my own money was the original Xbox. So almost exact same generations, because Xbox was the same as PS2, and we both started with the NES. So hey, high five. The one caveat to mine is uh, after the Nintendo, like future systems, I mostly got because I sold my system and what I had to get it. So, like, I sort of bought those, but it wasn't like I just had a job and earned the money. So I think it's it's still a little bit different. If you could change one thing from your past, what would it be and why? I probably would have bought a lot less stuff that I realized later I didn't really want. (laughs) Ooh, this is... There's there's a... Yeah. So it's kind of like a butterfly effect thing. There's a lot of things that I wish had gone differently in my past, but if they had, then my life wouldn't be what it is. Like the one of the biggest uh, you know turning point moments in my life was by the time I finished high school, like I should have gone straight to a four year university and gotten my college degree because like I had always worked hard at school and I was very smart and like I should have like I should have been able to do that. But because my family life was unstable, even though I went to the same high school for all but one semester, I start I never knew where I was going to go at the beginning of the school year. Stuff was, like, always just unstable, and by the time I got done with high school, I didn't want to have more instability, 
So I stayed put and I just went to local community college and was trying to kind of figure out, um, you know, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, like, you know, trying to figure it myself out some. But if, uh, if I had gone down the path, like if I had more stability in high school and went straight to university, I never would have met my wife because like life wouldn't have gone that way. So my life wouldn't be what it is right now. So I like, I don't want to change like those big moments like that. Those ones typically don't warrant changing because it change, would change your whole life. The one thing that I would do differently through life is I would have spent a lot less money on stuff that wasn't really worth it, you know, like collecting or, you know, using it as a coping mechanism when you're too busy to enjoy things. So you buy stuff to enjoy, but then they just pile up because you don't have time to enjoy them like that kind of thing. That, that's what I would do differently. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I have a similar thing. A lot of the the personal things in life, it's... Yeah, maybe I didn't like them at the time or I look back at them and I wish I'd done something different, but it was part of my life and that's how I ended up where I am here and now and I'm I'm happy with where I am and who I'm I'm here with. I I think like my so the answers I would give would be I wish I'd maxed out my 401k when I was in my 20s. <laughs> or I wish I'd bought Bitcoin when I first heard about it and it was like pennies per Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the know. kind of stuff. And even then, like those things got bigger changes. But those are, yeah. Sure. Like if you're going to look back and want to change something, like those should be the kind of things. And you should probably be like looking for the value in the other things because it's definitely there. Sure. And yeah. And that's something that I've actually like talked with my wife about is we both had some less than good relationships in our past, Mm -hmm. but it all got us to where we are now. And we met each other and we're very happy with each other. And if we hadn't had those experiences, we may not have ended up where we did to meet each other. And it may not have ended up as good as it did. Yeah. You would have been a different person because that stuff developed you. You know, it changed mm-hmm. who you were and helped you learn stuff like that and prepared you more for the future. Ed's last question. So he asked for our five favorite foods. Um, let's just say one favorite food so we can move on to a couple other questions before we wrap up. My, so if, if I had to get something as like my splurge food, especially with all my stupid dietary problems, uh, pretty much sushi is my go-to because I can eat sushi and I'm not going to be sick afterwards, but it's a treat for me. Okay. Pizza, burritos, tacos, sushi, kombucha. There you go. That's yeah. quite quite a one food. Yeah, I miss a lot of that <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um, all right, so moving on to, to Alex Chung. Uh, who What's up, Alex? A, a friend of yours who finally yeah. followed me so I could DM, DM him to ask him questions. Let's see. Who's your ultimate dream comic book project with which creative team? I love this question because my answer to this question is it, it exists and it's called The Valiant. Because I love Matt Kent and I love Jeff Lemire and Paulo Rivera is a fantastic artist. And everybody else involved with that was fantastic. And I really, that was my favorite thing that Valiant ever did. And so, like, that's my my answer. I I always have trouble with these sorts of questions. So I have kind of a, a joke answer, but it's actually also not a joke at the same time. In that I would want a Exo Manowar versus the Smurfs series. Mm-hmm. And I would want it to be done by Bob Burden who does flaming carrot comics <laughs> nice which it's it's stupid on top of stupid on top of stupid but i think three stupids make a brilliant 
So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that yeah, that's the fun way to answer the question is like these are the crazy things I'd like to see because uh, like to me it feels like fan casting. Like I don't I don't care who you think should play a character in a movie. Like I want to see the actor that gets chosen play that character because you're not going to get anything else anyways. And choosing the person that you think is right, like isn't going to be the best performance necessarily you know it's like you you have to let like the artists create so you don't know what you're going to get until you got it pretty much and that's why like the valiant's kind of my joke answer for that because it's not a my dream it's just like something that actually happened and i was like holy crap these creators i really like are working together on something um yeah, there's, you know, I mean, like, I would do something similar to what you just said with, like, Ninja Turtles involved, where I want to see them mm-hmm. coexist with somebody. We've gotten some interesting Ninja Turtle crossovers, like, you know, TMNT and Batman and Power Rangers and Ghostbusters. Um, I don't know offhand who I would, like, want to see do that. But, of course, I always love Kevin Eastman's creativity with stuff, so, like, it'd be cool to see him involved. But, like, we've gotten some touches of that and stuff, so I'm good. Yeah. Um, what's on your music play? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I think one other... I guess serious answer also to that would be I was always curious what Jonathan Hickman could have done with the Valiant universe. If he had picked a title in the Valiant universe and been able to run with it, I think that that would have been a very interesting and different addition to Valiant comics. And that is one where I, I think I would be very interested in that. Yeah, you know, th- and that's a good point. Like a lot of people, I, I don't think my mind works that way because I a lot of people will say like, "Oh, I wish so and so would do something with Valiant." Obviously, Valiant's like the good example where both both of us were very into that universe. I got introduced to Matt Kent because of Valiant. I got introduced to Jeff Lemire because of Valiant, and then I was able to go like, "Oh, this is cool seeing them do this because I like them." But I really like, you know, the, the the chicken that was before the egg was Valiant came before them for me. Um, so I don't have anybody that was like already. Uh, preconceived notion of somebody i liked and even if i went back it's like if i took any other creator that i like i'm just happy to see them do what they do i liked valiant because of the people who made it um and Mm -hmm. i think i just have too much of that in my history of reading comics to like want to change things or for my mind to just work that way with it i guess gotcha so what's on your music playlist right now lately it's been a lot of punk rock i've been listening to a lot of punk rock and mostly just like different hardcore from the 80s. Recently, for example, I just listened to all of the early Discord records. Discord was the label by Ian McKay, Minor Threat, and Fugazi. And they were basically like the label for DC Punk in the early 80s. And so I listened to basically all of the records that they put out until they started to kind of do more stuff beyond just punk rock when they started to get more kind of like post-punk emo type stuff in mixed in with, uh, with, with the mix. So yeah, I just been kind of getting back and really just digging into like my punk rock roots. It helps me, kind of calm down in a lot of ways. And when I just want something to listen to that in a weird way, it like helps me focus. Yeah. And I think it's just because it's, it's such a ingrained part of what I like that 
for as angry and aggressive as it is, it calms me down and helps me focus. Yeah. Have you heard the, like, I see this all over social media, but like the, the, the thing that people with anxiety tend to watch the same thing because it gives them some calmness because they know what's going to happen. So it's like you're able to just enjoy it, but it's, you know, like the, you engage with it differently. I think it's like that with music too. Like we listen to music we've listened to before because we, it just like sets right into that spot in our brain instead of being something that's like mentally challenging. Yeah. Well, one, one thing that I find, like if I'm going to put on music while I'm working, it really, it needs to be something I've listened to before a lot. Yeah. Otherwise it distracts you. Yeah. Because if it's something new, it is, it's distracting for me. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I got, I got three kind of areas. So one, I started listening to uh, eels again. Uh, Eels is a, a rock band that's basically built all around one guy and then everybody else is kind of rotated. But they're also somebody that you've probably heard their music, even if you don't know that you have. And I, I've, I've always felt like, you know, I was actually thinking about this when I was listening to them, of your question of like, you know, unique music. Even though there's nothing crazy unique about the Eels, like I think that they are pretty unique and nobody could do exactly what they do uh, with with creativity and and structure, even though they're just rock music, basically. But uh, that also kind of centers around my wife was a big fan of, of eels and she got me listening to them. Um, but then like their music kind of intertwines with uh, with our relationship. Like she got me listening to rock music. I got her listening to some of the indie hip hop I was listening to. Um, but the eels has always been one of my favorites. So that's one. The other thing is uh, with the news that De La Soul is finally getting control over their catalog again and their music is going to be available again. I've been listening to other, uh, like, golden age, 90s hip-hop stuff. Not golden age, maybe, sorry. Uh, 90s hip-hop stuff. Maybe that is golden age. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm Silver age? Stuff. I don't know. But um, yeah, Tribe Called Quest and, um, and you know, different groups from around that time. And plus the Beastie Boys. Um, so I'm looking forward to De La Soul's music being available. Right now, if I listen to it, I have to do it on my iPad, which is, you know, a bit limiting for how we usually listen to music. And the other thing is I mentioned that I'm super into AEW right now. Um, it's just such good wrestling. And one thing that's cool is uh, the the owner of AEW, Tony Khan, he's willing to spend some money on some licensed music that works really well with certain wrestlers. So I have a, a playlist of four songs I actually just made today to listen to it. Um, these are good songs. Uh, one is a wrestler named Orange Cassidy comes out to the song Where Is My Mind by the Pixies. Uh, CM mm-hmm. Punk, who just uh, joined AEW after a seven-year hiatus from wrestling, which is a really big deal, uh, he came out to Cult of Personality, which he came out to that in, when he was with WWE, and because it's not a song that WWE created, they don't own it, so like I, it was really awesome to have like that song pop up at the beginning of the, the show that he made his reappearance to. Uh, and then there's the song Wild Thing by X, which is, uh, you know, they covered the original. It's the one that's, if you've seen the movie Major League, that, uh, that the, the guy comes out to. That's John Moxley's music now in W, or in, uh, AEW. And then, uh, Tarzan Boy by Baltimore. Jungle Boy comes out to that song. Uh, so I made a little playlist of that because when I get all hyped up on wrestling, it's kind of cool to be able to have like regular songs to listen to instead of like, you know, cheesy wrestler theme songs. So that's what I'm listening to right now. Cool. And I'll do one more question and then we'll wrap up just because I don't want to not ask a question from Kyle. Kyle Benning sent us a couple. What's up, Kyle? 
his his question I'm going to choose to use is uh, can a good movie based on a video game property be made or does one exist? I have an answer to this. And that is that Super Mario Brothers does indeed exist and it's the perfect video game movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I Of course it can exist. I can't really think of a video game movie that comes to mind that is is great but it's the 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 thing that i always come back to is anything can exist right yeah if they make it so of course of course a great movie based on a video game can exist if they just make it they just have to somebody has to decide to make it put in the effort everything has to go right along the way to make it continue to go well but of course it's possible yeah it's i think a great anything movie is possible it just takes doing it and making it yeah, that yeah i agree i don't think that there is a great video game movie that i could think of right now i mean i'm sure i know there are ones that people enjoy uh like street fighter for example i enjoyed that movie because it's cheesy and it's fun and then there's also the criteria of like what makes a movie good to you or not i think that um Probably the majority, if not all, of video game movies were made because uh, a you know movie company wanted to license something to make easy money. You know, not easy maybe, but you know, make money off of an, uh, an intellectual property. And usually, they're not aiming for the highest quality art with that. They're aiming to you know make a GI Joe blockbuster or something like that. Um, I think that there could be a great. Uh, great movie based off of a video game but honestly like those video games have probably already told the story better because they have a lot more space to tell the story than a movie does one that i would like to see though is metal gear solid hmm. okay i could probably think of some other ones but that's one that that pops off the top of my mind i would like to see a really good metal gear solid movie all right. Okay. Any final thoughts as we wrap up? As we were trying to like constrain our time, and I didn't do a good job. Nah. <laughs> no, no, no final thoughts. I think my final thoughts are, uh, like I said at the get go, I like questions because it makes me think about things that I don't usually think about, and these questions definitely made me do that. I think several of these could have been an entire episode all on their own, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, now that I know a few suckers that'll give me questions if I ask for them, I can uh, go back to that well again in the future. <laughs> yes, thanks for not alienating our listeners also. <laughs> very, very clever. That's okay. I have them all hooked in different ways. They, they can't abandon me as a friend just because I insult them on my podcast. <laughs> They're too invested. There we go. Not really. I've, I've just lost them all. That's half my Twitter followers. It was fun while it lasted, everyone. It's over now. It's been good. You can find me on Twitter at Who's Paul. You can find Sean on Twitter at Bad Deacon. Hit us up there if you have questions, thoughts, ideas. Share them with us. And uh, next time we'll probably talk about Sandman. That's my guess. Awesome. Maybe I'll be wrong. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs>